Do you love the sound of squeaking sneakers on a shiny hardwood? You get just as pumped about a fast break dunk as you do a touchdown pass. Would you be just as excited to meet Jimmy Jackson as you would Archie Griffin? If so, then this is the show for you. You're listening to Shots from the Shot, presented by the OHIO Podcast. Now it's game time. OHIO. Welcome back to Shots from the Shot. I know we had quite the hiatus, but we're back now and looking to make it a more week-to-week event. Um, I am the Monk, and I am joined here today with the legend himself, Buckeye Boggs. How are you today, Eric? I'm good. Does that mean I'm just old? Legends no. usually for old people, Jason. <laughs> uh, not, not, not nowadays, man. You know, one one big event can make anyone a legend, and you've done it for years. So, well, I appreciate the compliment, Jason. <laughs> I appreciate the compliment. Oh, you know, got got to try to fill that high standard. So it's a lot of pressure on my end. <laughs> oh, you'll do just fine. You'll do just fine. I'm sure it's going to be good. Okay. So for our show today, we're just going to kind of give a quick outlook on a couple of the new hires brought in on the staff. Um, quick little run through of the transfers that they brought in, some of the new freshmen. And a little talk on justice suing, so should be a pretty good show. And we're going to do our little Buckeye uh, starting five, basically a little draft to see what we come up with for a good roster. And then we'll finish up with a little Q&A for Eric. Kind of turn the tables on him this time because he interviews everybody else. <laughs> so, should, should be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm looking forward to it. See what you got to say. Um, so we'll get started off with uh, our the new staff and what your thoughts are on Jack Owens. Yeah, so Jack's got a little bit of an interesting background. Uh, he's coming to us uh, for, as a former head coach at Miami of Ohio, um, he, he, where he had some moderate success. I would say his most successful team was actually his first one. And he never did have a winning season while he was there, but uh, he spent six years on the uh, Purdue as a Purdue associate and then as a Purdue assistant uh, three years before that. So he was with, with the Purdue program for nine years. So he's obviously familiar with Big Ten basketball. He's familiar with the physicality of Big Ten basketball, which is obviously something that um, I would say most coaches who enter uh, the Big Ten play, if they've not had backgrounds in the Big Ten, I think are always shocked to find out just how much the officials let the game go in the Big Ten as opposed to other uh, uh, conferences. So it'll be interesting. I think I think Jack knows that already coming into it. And so I think that's very important for this coaching staff to be able to relate to what is a a turned over roster, Jason, to be completely open and honest. There's very few guys coming back who have experience in the Big Ten. And so making sure that these guys are battle tested and ready for the physical play, especially down in the paint, that is the Big Ten basketball. I think this is a great hire for just that alone. Oh, I 100% agree with you on everything. Like, I think he could basically be uh, like a Jim Knowles for the basketball team. Like He's been a proven recruiter, and he's already shown that with the loss of Washington the third. 
and then basically them going right out and getting that uh, Taysom Chapman, which is an improved player if you look at it. You know, he's higher up in the rankings, does a lot of the same stuff, and he's a little bit bigger of a body. So he showed that, and that was one thing because you had mentioned he was at Purdue, and when he left Purdue, uh, Painter said that was one thing they were going to miss more than anything else was his recruiting and just the way he develops guards. And you can go back and look at probably five or six guards during that time that were all Big Ten and went on to have good careers after college basketball. So got to have that perfect coach to really develop the players, and I think we've got it big time in Jack Owens. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a that's a good it's a good point. You know, recruiting is such an important part of the lifeblood of any college program, football, basketball, shoot, uh, fencing. For goodness sakes, it's all about getting the top talent uh, that you can. Uh, I, I tell you, fencing is pretty interesting. Especially, I put uh, put a video up not too long ago of a guy from Ohio State just doing this crazy move on a Notre Dame dude. I know, isn't that seen, crazy? Never seen anything like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was but, it was wild. And you know, I, I think another thing with Jack that's going to really sh- show this year, because you had also mentioned, you know, it's such a overhauled roster and a young roster. I think with his development of these guards is going to be huge for this young team, especially with the potential that we have with these guards that are on roster now. I, I think he's going to bring the best out in them. I agree. <clears throat> so, okay. And then next we've got uh, the new assistant to the head coach and he's director of scouting, Nick Kellogg. So don't know how much history, you know, of Ohio state basketball here, Monk, but Nick Kellogg is the son of legendary Buckeye Clark Kellogg who you might recognize for his work on CBS as an analyst. Um, So Clark Kellogg, former Buckeye, his son Nick, who uh, was born and raised in Columbus, Ohio, uh, played his college ball at uh, Ohio University, uh, was a uh, graduate of St. Francis de Sales right here in in CBUS, went on to play a few years of pro ball overseas, I believe in France, if I'm not mistaken. And he's coming, he's coming here to Ohio state after um, I I would say kind of getting into uh, he's a younger guy uh, has his bloodline here in central Ohio, but I like where he's sitting on this staff as a director of scouting because I always like to have a young guy who's relatable to today's athlete, um, making sure that he speaks their language. He kind of is a little bit hip to the jive, if you will, because let's be honest, Holtman is not a spring chicken here. Okay. And I know in college basketball, you know, you have these older legendary coaches who um, are kind of bigger than, than the sport itself and, and uh, can kind of drive success within a program but just like we got done talking about with Jack Owens, recruiting is the lifeblood of any program. And I think Nick Kellogg is a good voice to have in that coaching staff, in that locker room, and with those recruits and getting them to Ohio State and kind of changing the perspective of what a recruit thinks about Ohio State. I know that, you know, 
under the last few year few years of Thad Mata and over and under the first few years here of Holtman, the recruits idea of Ohio State has been that it's more of a second tier basketball program. This is a bat this is a football school. It's not a basketball school. And so basketball plays second fiddle to the football team and therefore we are a second tier type of college basketball program. Obviously, if you're going to be successful in the NCAA tournament, you're going to win um, conference championships like Thad Mata did for a good good portion of his tenure here at Ohio State. You've got to get that athlete who's a top-tier athlete into this program and, and have some success. We've had some pretty good recruits who've had some pretty good success. We just haven't been able to bust that door down with that third or that fourth guy that makes a difference monk. And so I think, I think getting Jack and Nick on this coaching staff were good moves to try just that. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't have said it any better. Um, If I remember correctly, Clark Kellogg, wasn't he the big 10 player of the year in 82? Oh, geez. Now you're really getting on me. Um, Let's see, because (laughs) Um, I don't think so. Maybe yeah. he was. I know he was an I know All-American. It was, t- was that it might have been what it is. Yeah. Um. Well, because yeah, when I was looking through it, it was the year I was born. <laughs> oh, okay. So well, I was kind of stood out. Yeah, I was one, so I don't remember it. <laughs> right. But I, I, you know, I, I, my, my dad always took us around Ohio State basketball. We watched all the games when I was a kid, and so I've always just known that 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 voice of Clark Kellogg's on CBS. That's a Buckeye, you know that right. that guy played and at Ohio State and was a good good Buckeye. He's uh, he's been a voice of the Pistons as well for quite a few years, so that's where I'm really familiar with him. Yeah, well, he played a, P- a Pistons fan. Okay, well, he played for the Pacers, didn't he? If I'm not uh, mistaken, I think th- that. I'm not 100 percent sure on. I, I think he I think he played for the Pacers, and if I'm not mistaken, and gosh, I really should be looking this stuff up. I think he was <laughs> like, I think he was like an All Star or 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 a Rookie of the Year or something like that. So, right. um, you know, he 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 definitely was one of those few Buckeyes who had that um, uh, cachet, if you will, uh, not only in um in the college ranks but also beyond into the nba yeah because i definitely enjoy listening to him and george blaha on their commentary for pistons games they definitely uh fit well together um but uh and nick kellogg when he was went to ohio he was actually recruited by chris holtman when holtman oh, was I didn't on know staff that. there yep <clears throat> so he's got quite a few ties to this team and one thing that really impressed me uh, in a little like interview thing that I seen on him when he first got hired in, that he said he wants to really bring a, a detailed approach to every single facet of the game to this team. Like really dot the I's, cross the T's, because that's how um, when he was with Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA during their title run, he said that was one thing that that entire organization did from top to bottom was just extreme detail whether mm-hmm. it was in videos practice because he was the video coordinator there 
So I think that's going to help him with his recruiting and checking out, you know, what type of recruits that they want want to bring in. And I think he could end up being like a Brian Hartline where he finds that diamond in the rough every year. Mm, that, that would be that great. Comes, comes out of nowhere, but he finds it first. Yeah, that'd be great. <clears throat> so like you, I agree. I think uh, Holtman really kind of hit it out of the park with bringing both of those guys in. And I think they're going to be key for the success, early success of this team with I being agree. so young. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, with that, we kind of want to move on because we didn't really want to go over the promotions, right? <laughs> no, let's let's move on. <laughs> I mean, there's only so much you can talk about with coaches. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, right. it's, 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 it's Chris Holtman and what he does, you know, as head coach. No, I, I like what he's doing. So, I mean, he's been consistent, but just uh, I've got the good feeling that with his staff, they're finally going to get over that little hump that they haven't been able to get over. So we'll see. All right. So next we'll move on to the freshman class that are coming in. And any particular order you want to start with? Or no, just throw a from, name out and let's start chatting about these cats because All right, we'll, these are, these we'll are going to be with, some pretty good ones here, Monk. I, there, there's a couple I'm pretty excited to watch. Oh, I'm honestly excited for all five of them, to be honest with you. But, okay, we'll start with the guy that's probably made the most noise, Bryce Sensabaugh. Yeah, so so um, I see that you call – I mean, some people have called him Baby Zion. I know you've latched onto that. Can, oh, I, yeah, be, that, can, can I be honest with you? I know he's 6'6", no, six, six, and I know that he's got a really strong frame, but he kind of reminds me a little bit of a – um, younger raw EJ Liddell when he walked on campus three years ago. Um, mm. there's there's a little bit because if you go back and you watch EJ as a freshman, you know he really didn't come along until about mid season. Uh, he'd come off the bench early and he was trying to kind of find his footing. And remember he was part of a three man. A freshman class that was highly touted and at the end of the Mm -hmm. day he was the only one that really stuck it out now i don't think we're going to have that issue with these five but what i do think is that bryce sensenball's kind of got a little bit of ej liddell to him i don't think he's got an out outside game um but ej didn't have an outside game until this past year you know you know so are you sure about that i'm i'm pretty sure i i you know i i've seen the highlights i've seen him play I ju- it's just different when you get into college basketball as a right. freshman. <laughs> I, I think yeah. his game is going to be power down low, uh, back to the back to the basket at first, and and I think that's where he's going to have to find his footing, Monk. I mean, it's a little bit different when you're playing wide open AAU basketball where they don't even okay they play Olay defense here. You know, no right. one's playing hard nose. You know, slap the floor and, and just grind it out defense and you win 45-35. These those scores are nineties and the eighties. It's because no one's playing no one's playing any defense. He's going to face guys who are six seven, six eight, long bodies who are going to force him to have to use that strength to to find the basket. And so uh, that's what I see. But I know you think he's got a little bit of an outside game based on your response of what I see. But let's see how it goes here early on this year. 
I'd right. like to be yeah. surprised. No, you, you definitely make a good point, but I just think with his experience of having to play point guard in high school a lot and the way that he can just drive the hoop and just control the flow of the game and his size, you know, I could see them putting him at like a small forward and, you know, bodying people down that way. Or if they do put him at a power forward and he has some big guys on him, that he'll step outside to that mid to three point range and burn them there. I like, I could see him being a lot like a, a Corliss Williamson type player. So the just problem, a, just a matchup nightmare. Yeah. He, he, he is, he is an, a matchup nightmare. The problem with putting him at say like a two is this, this team has a lot of ones and twos and threes already. Right. And he's his body can play the four. And oh, no doubt. And especially if, you know, we go with Zion at the five and you bring him in, those are two big bodies that are taking up a lot of space down low. They're not, you know, Zion's six eight, he's six six. It's not like you've got, you know, these these giant uh, trees in here. These are but these these are wide big body guys who are strong. OK. Yeah. And and with his ability to go outside and kind of move the 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 defense out, it's going to create that one on one for Zed Key and his baby hook. So, oh, you know, definitely. that that's something to watch, too, when they're both in the game together. Oh, yeah, it's uh, they've got so many good possible uh, just lines that they can throw out there that are going to create so many mismatches. So I, I think that's going to be a big thing for this team down the road if they can, you know, gelling. And that is what I think is going to be their slow point at the start. But once they gel as a team, I think they're going to be pretty scary. I agree. So, OK, well, next we'll move on. We'll kind of stick with the big guys then and we'll go with uh, six foot 11 Felix Akpara. Akpara. So he's raw. I mean, he's his big thing is experience. This is the guy that you bring in when like Zed Key picks up like maybe you don't want him to pick up a second foul early or a third foul at the end of the first half, and so you bring you bring someone like Felix in and he gets a couple minutes, but he's going to need to ex- experience. He's he's just so incredibly raw, but he, he you know all you know that size, that length, all all of it's there. He's gifted. It's there. It's just going to take a while, I think, to come together. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I think what he only played two years of high school. If it's I raw. Correctly. It's raw, man. <laughs> but he, he's going to be able to help us out on the defensive end is where yes. he's going to make make his early impact. Because, I mean, like you said, 6'11", got that long frame. I think he's got like almost an eight-foot wingspan. Yeah. Um, and he's just a blocking machine in his athletic ability. I remember so, reading um, the coaches had to find a way to make that vertical jump tester where they jump up and hit the thing, the tabs. Mm-hmm. They had to find find a way to make it bigger because he was going so far above it already. <laughs> the long arms <laughs> help out, too, man. Let me tell you. Uh, yeah. Have you watched that kid jump, though? <laughs> oh, it's yeah. Did you watch the the blacktop thing that they put together? He was just like, like throwing his arm in the rim. Like it, it is. Right. I mean, goodness <laughs> sakes. But 
you know, Zed Key is is I can see at the end of games where like Zed Key is on the free throw line, or we have a guy in the free throw line at the end of the game, and we make that f- second free throw, and you bring Felix in on defense for Zed Key, and then as soon as we get the rebound or we get a block, we call timeout right away, and you and you bring Zed Key back in type of thing, you know, where you play those right. <laughs> mixed matchups at the end of a game. I don't think you want them on offense shooting free throws, but getting no. rebounds and being on defense and being a present in the presence in the paint is definitely what you could use him for, especially as the season, you know, progresses and he gets some more experience. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing about him being brought in is that, you know, being a project, he's going to be there for three years at least. So he's hopefully going to be able to really help. Well, I think he will be. But I don't think we're going to keep Sensabaugh more than a year, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I think that guy is just there's a paired up. There's a couple guys on this team that it's like, if they really yeah. hit, you know. <laughs> yeah, Roddy Gale is another one that I, that could be. So we'll, we'll move on to Roddy Gale. All right. Are you ready for this? Here's my little Here's my little comparison. I think Roddy Gale has the potential to be this year's Malachi Branham. Ooh, I like it though, especially after watching. Um, I seen, I found this little documentary on him from like through his, uh, I think seventh grade year up to 2020. And I mean, the kid was playing varsity as a seventh grader. Oh my <laughs> so, gosh! And I, I think he hit a thousand points um, before he was a sophomore. He's a scorer, dude. Yeah, he likes to have the basketball in his hands. He's very comfortable with the basketball in his hands. Good size for a guard at 6'4", 205 pounds. He's not as big of a body as Sinzenball is, but he just has a little bit of that Malachi Branham. I can mm-hmm. see him like being very, you know, he you're, he's going to get he's going to get playing time. I'm not sure if he's going to st- start but he's definitely going to get some playing time and by the end of the year he's probably a starter i i could see that pass for him and i mean just I, i'd have to say i was most impressed with his work ethic because uh, they showed where he had to leave new york because of covid he wasn't gonna be able to play and he transferred out to a school in utah and so he had to go by himself you know he didn't have his family support with him like he normally did, and that kid was just in the gym nonstop working all the time on everything. So yeah, I love that. Yeah, he's he's going to be a good one. But, yeah, I mean, he, he's athletic. The ceiling that he has is just – I don't know if he has a ceiling, to be honest with you, the way that kid works and how good he is. Um, he can shoot. He can dribble. He's a strong defender, so he's definitely – He'll be pushing for a lot of time, and like you said, I could definitely see him starting towards the end of the year. But I do love that comparison because they are very, very similar. Their games are very similar. I mean, you just yes, I mean, you almost have to you almost have to like take a double take. It feels like you know. (laughs) Yeah, because they're almost the same build too. Yeah, I think well, Brandon was just a little bit taller, possibly, but yeah, but I think. But I, think I think Gale's gonna have as the better shot. Though. I also think his body's maybe slightly more developed than what Branham's was, which is kind of crazy right. to say because Malachi Branham was was a he was a tank. Oh, he was, but you know that that's that New York to anywhere else, you know, 
they're just different in New York. <laughs> you got to be a little tough. That's right. So, all right. Well, let's uh, we'll go on to the top player in this recruiting class, uh, Bruce Thornton, you know, the little bulldog. <laughs> yeah, yes. But, you know, Bruce Thornton for a point guard has got great size, man. 6'2", 215. He is a little right. bulldog, right? Um, oh, no doubt. I don't know, like, with with Isaac, uh, with the transfer Isaac. Um, likely. Likely. Like, I, I, and I'm, it, that it's sec- weird, but. That yeah, second likely. K gets me, you know. <laughs> but uh, right. with, with Isaac likely transferring in, I think this is, I, I, for me personally, if. If Bruce looks at this as the opportunity to take a year to get acclimated to the game and learn from someone who has as much experience as as, as Isaac likely does, I think Bruce can be a great um, second string point guard. And if we run into teams that are going to try to press a great second point guard to throw out there with likely at times – um, especially when you got great length like Gale and Sinzaball, Brown, Justice Suing, these guys all have great length. And then you have those two guys in the in the backcourt. And, and not to mention Isaac Likely, he's got he's six five point he, guard. He's a big he's a big boy. <laughs> this is this team is I can't even like I've I've not seen a Ohio State basketball team with this much length than since like Gosh, the mid 2000s, you know, there's just a lot of length on this team. Right. I really think that Bruce Thornton is in a great position if he can just be patient and let his game develop as a, as a second string and as a backup, I feel like. I I think just he's definitely that type of person that has no problem with that and he's going to benefit greatly from not having to be rushed in into all that playing time. That's for sure. But, I mean, can you imagine trying to guard either one of him or likely and trying to stop them from getting into the paint as a point <laughs> guard? Like, they are going to beat you up. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be – the Ohio State's going to be very, very physical this year, Like say, which, like I said, when we were talking about the assistant coaches with Jack Owens and Nick Kellogg, physicality is is important. And I think, I think that that was definitely something that was – looked at and considered when recruiting and accepting some of these transfers. Oh, I agree. Definitely. And I mean, some of these kids could probably play on the football team with their builds. <laughs> like we're, we are definitely going to be physical for sure. And, you know, Thornton, I think he's going to benefit greatly from having Jack Owens. I think he's going to probably benefit more than anybody else, but he's another one that just has all the tools to be, so so special of a player because i mean i've seen that kid hit half court shots with time running down like it was just another day in the gym nice see him you know blow through uh big defenders and i mean pushing them around like the dude is a little sherman tank i cannot wait to see what he does and i don't know (laughs) he's not really much bad you can say on any of these kids to be honest with you just like you said, hopefully they they don't try to rush it in and they take the development where it is and mm-hmm. just keep working every day to get better. And I just I think that's the type of 
kids that he brings in. I, I don't know. I know a lot of people bag on Holtman, but I think he's done a pretty stand-up job, in my opinion. So I like what he's doing. And his recruiting seems to get better, too, because I tell you, that 2023 class for next year is going to be something as well. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. And I think they're probably going to add one or two more pieces, and they're going to be highly touted pieces at that. But we'll see. <laughs> gotta gotta wait for the chips to fall. Okay, and then the last one, who in my opinion is just smack in the face with his ra- uh, ranking because he is so underrated. It, it kind of makes me really upset. Is uh, Bowen Hardman? Like, this kid is as smooth as can be, and I just love everything about his game. He's, you know, uh, he's a he's a Ohio kid. Uh, had a very good uh, high school career here in the state of Ohio. Could have probably went to Xavier or Cincinnati, since that's kind of uh, the area he's from. Right. Um, but decided to be a Buckeye, which you know I love out recruiting. Anytime you can out recruit Cincinnati and Xavier for a kid, that's a that's a feather in your cap, I think. Um, so you know, very different uh, when comparing the football team to like say a Cincinnati. There's no comparison, but in college basketball, there very much is a comparison there, and that that there's a very much a rivalry there. And so, uh, you know, when winning that recruiting battle was significant. I think he, I think there's the possibility he gets redshirted this year. Um, yeah, I, c- I could see that, especially with what they brought in in the transfer. Board. Yeah, I don't know that you want to burn a year of eligibility with him. Um, he kind of reminds me a little bit similar uh, approach that they've taken with uh, uh, Kalen Etzler. Um, you know, let's sit for a year. Let's develop your body. Let's develop your game. Let- let's get you acclimated to the college uh, game here. And uh, get you prepared so when you're a redshirt freshman, sophomore, you're getting more playing time. And then time by the time you're an upperclassman, you're ready to roll. I think that's kind of the game plan you go with someone like him. But I could be wrong. He could he could surprise us and, you know, be be someone that just jumps out there on the court and his game translates better than I think it's going to. Yeah, he, he's definitely got the potential, but I think you are pretty much on the right track and it's probably best for him as well you know because the, the upperclassmen that were brought in are going to be tough to kind of overtake but i mean the kid's game is just so nice he's got a smooth jump shot he can get to the rim you can tell he's got that that just leadership about him you know he's like that, that but he's kind of quiet like that quiet cool where he don't mm-hmm. really talk, don't really talk, but his game talks big for him. <laughs> yes. For, from what I've seen. And he seems like he's one of those kids that just grinds it out, puts in the work, does, you know, whatever the coaches need him to total team guy. So I could see him being uh, a, a good leader down the road. As we get going. Absolutely. So, okay, well, I kind of mentioned it before. We'll go over to the three three transfers that came in. Isaac Likely. <laughs> yeah. That is just so, so crazy with that extra K. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Likely going to be a fan favorite. How about that? Um, go back and watch him. Yeah, go back and watch his, his, his game uh, there in the Big 12. 
dude was a great defender. I mean, an absolute nuisance as a defender. Um, had, had a pretty good offensive game there for the Cowboys as well. I think he's going to be somebody who, um, along with Justice Suing, which we will get to soon, is going to be a, a team leader, captain. Um, you know, got he's, he's mature. He's 23 years old, man. He's a 22, 23-year-old, fifth-year senior, graduate transfer. Uh, you know, this is the type of guy that, you know, you want to get. He's got one year of extra of eligibility and could really become – uh, take you over the top or knock that door down like we talked about. I think along with Justice Suing is probably going to be the glue to this team. And I don't want to put the kind of pressure on him that says as as he goes, the team goes. But if, right. if he does if he doesn't hit, if he doesn't play well, I think the team's going to struggle to win big games. If he is who I think he is and and he gels well with this team, especially suing, I think Ohio State has got the potential to be Big Ten champions this year. Yeah, it's funny because one of my main points on him was the leadership that he brings in is going to be very important to such a young roster. And he's just a solid defender. He's the first player in Oklahoma State history to have 1,000 points, 600 rebounds, and 400 assists. He's a a monster. Does a little bit of everything, that's for sure. And that big body, I mean, he's going to push everybody around <laughs> as far as guards. Can you imagine trying to defend him when Bruce Thornton's running the point? He's at the two. And, oh, by the way, you've got a, a Roddy Gale or a Sinzenball at the three and suing at the four. Like, there's just so much athleticism and length there offensively. Just imagine – Imagine that fast break of that combination. <laughs> yeah, get out, get out of their out way, of way, man. Talk about Ole defense. That's what I'd be running. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, he's he's definitely going to be a key piece for us, that's for sure. And then this next one is one, personally, I think is going to be a huge asset is Tanner Holden. <laughs> All right. So here we go. I, I, Monk, I don't know what to think here. He he looked great for Wright State, but that's a whole different level coming over to the Big Ten. He had a great career at Wright State, got him to the NCAA tournament, scored against the big boys when they played the big boys. But I just don't know. I don't know if he's going to be their sixth man or if he's going to be a starter. Where does he fit in here? And if he's a starter, is it out of necessity or is it because he's that good? And if he's that good, does that mean he's taking away playing time from some of these freshmen? I just don't know what to think of Tanner Holden. I'm excited. I cannot wait to find out what the starting roster is when they roll the, you know, roll out for the first game of the season. Like, what are we looking at here? Like, is, is he the sixth man? Is he a starter? Like, I just don't know. But this is the, this is the wild card for me. It really is. Right. I just feel like if 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 Tanner Holden comes in and he's kind of like Justice Suing was when he came in and he's uh, on any given night he could drop twenty on you. Watch out! Oh, definitely. And I mean, I know he's coming from right right state. Competition's different, but I mean, look at some of the best NBA scores: Damian Lillard, Steph Curry. I mean, not saying he's going to be these guys by any means, 
But watching him play, I think he has the game and the body that is going to fit in this Big Ten perfectly. Um, Because he was second in the nation to getting on the free throw line. So he's, he's not afraid to get in there and make contact. Average 20 points a game. He was not afraid of any moment. I think like his best game was in the tournament. So he steps up in big, big times. And you can't go wrong if he's the starter or if he's the sixth man. Like you honestly cannot go wrong with him. I think he's just going to do what's needed. But I expect him to do big things. And I could be wrong. I was definitely wrong on that guy from the Raging Cajuns last year. <laughs> yeah, he – well, here's – he was so, like – he would come in and – remember the game against Duke? Yeah. And it, the only, I'm like, oh, only here, good game. <laughs> here we go. And then it was just like, where'd he go? Like, it was yeah. buried on so the bench. Inconsistent. So, yeah, it's, I, not that I'm comparing, you know, comparing him there to, to what that was, but uh, I'm trying to remember his name. I can't even remember it. <laughs> Hold on yeah, Cedric Russell. That's what it there was. There you go, Cedric yeah. Russell. Yeah. So, I you know I don't know it, it, who is Tanner Holden. Is he Cedric Russell, or you know is he is he is he Jamari Wheeler? You know, like I, what are we getting here? And I think we're gonna get a little best of both. Maybe not defensively like Wheeler, but as far as offense and what he can do. And if, if he's getting to the line like that and creating a lot of foul trouble for other teams, you know, they're going to be able to really just start picking apart and focusing on that as well. So I, I see a lot of upside in Tanner Holden. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like I said, he's a wild card. He's a wild card right now for me. And, and he averaged 7.3 rebounds per game, so he can also bring that aspect to the team. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just I think his game's gonna gonna transfer over quite well, but we'll see. <laughs> we got a lot of show me's to get get in there first before exactly. we start praising yes, there's, them. There's exactly there's a there's I'm not saying that you know there's not potential here. There's a ton of potential, but you know potential is a, is a dirty p word, man, because oh, potential it, <laughs> it it can get you in trouble because you know if you're like oh we got this team's got so much potential. But it also means that this team hasn't proven anything. <laughs> so, right. you know, it, so it's it's hard for me to, like, you know, throw really high expectations on this team. It, it's, you're, you're exactly right. I'm kind of like the Missouri. I'm like Missouri. I'm the show me state right now. You got to prove it to me. Right. Well, it's tough for me because, you know, I love my uh, Buckeye colored sunglasses, them scarlet sunglasses, man. <laughs> they They get me in trouble. Hey, it happens to all of us. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then uh, the last one they brought in was um, Sean McNeil, a guard from West Virginia, who, I, to me, could end up being that X factor, that wild card type player. So, he's the he, he's the arms of this team possibly, and and I'm hoping what that means is that he's not a liability defensively. If you can give me a couple three pointers a game, uh, that's great. He averaged twelve point two points the last couple seasons over uh, in for West Virginia. Uh, he's a Kentucky kid. 
I love Kentucky kids. I mean, Kentucky is is basketball crazy. Uh, if you know anything about that state, the dude is a streaky shooter. When he gets hot, watch out. Uh, he can string together three or four row in a row on you real fast. But we have to be like- careful. We have to be careful here that he doesn't interfere with the flow of the offense by forcing shots. <clears throat> and uh, I'm not I, I, I don't want to uh, crap all over what last year's failures were, but I can't tell you how many times Justin Arns was not in the flow of the game. And hey. he was a complete and utter liability on the defensive side of the court, man. Right. Yeah, I and, and it's, it might be unfair for me to compare him to Arns, you know, white, white kid who can shoot. I mean, it's, you know, but let's just call it like he is. He's a three-point shooter. And if you are a three-point shooter and that's your game, you've got to bring more assets to the table than just that at, at big-time college-level basketball. you got to learn how to play defense. Arns never played a lick of defense. He just, he just couldn't. And, right. and I'm not saying that Sean can't. But again, I'm I'm being the Missouri State here. Uh, show me, show me, son. Yeah, I I didn't see much defensively on any of his highlights that I was looking across, but he did drive to the hoop fairly consistently. Yeah, he, yeah like he's not just Arns he's not, not just a, <laughs> right, right. He's not just a uh spot you know post a uh, uh, spot shooter here just you know i'm going to park myself in the corner or at the corner key and and all, all game long and never move i mean there was times where arns literally never moved in the offensive set he just yeah. stood there for 20 some seconds waiting for someone to make a move i, and I hate that about sometimes oh, our I, offense is it just was so stagnant you gotta be able to move without the basketball and that's what i love about some of these freshmen is you you can tell you know how to move without the basketball to create open shots not only for themselves but to create lanes for their teammates and yeah you know you would think you know being a grad transfer you know having played uh three seasons uh under huggy bear there in west virginia that he's going to know how to move without the basketball because if there's one thing i know about coach huggins is if you don't move and play and, and run his offensive sets he will bench your butt I tell you, I seen him move a lot, even if it was just a quick, you know, under screen or over screen just to get that flow. And that was something that I lobbied for a lot last year with Arns. And I never understood why they didn't do it was run him off the screens and into that shooting. Motion. Yeah, too, I, too stacked of an offense, him. man. Yeah, yeah the, 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 the offense was uh, give the ball to EJ, let it run through EJ at times. And although that worked when he was hot and things were going well, when EJ was you know getting double teamed and, and struggling, the offense just struggled as well. And so you have to run, in my opinion, to be successful at this level. You still got to run some offensive sets. You can't just play, uh, you know, blacktop basketball, you know. Right. Wide open, four out, one under, and just go. You know, like that just doesn't work, man. Get 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 creative. And we had the the two perfect uh, centerpieces with Key and Liddell to run all those off screens or in and out type basketball. I mean, there was so much they could have done. So much. <laughs> I mean, so. I can't tell you how many times they weren't even running basic motion offense. No, it was just, it was just four out, one under. And, 
<laughs> it was just sickening. Anyways, uh, I don't mean to get on last year's soapbox, but Shane, uh, I think Sean McNeil's easy to got do. Yeah, I think Sean McNeil's got some potential uh, to let's see what he does. I don't think he starts, but I, I think he comes off the bench and can provide a spark for us when needed. All right. Well, hopefully he has a little more production than Jimmy Soto's because I thought he was going to bring more production than he did. So Truth. Hopefully, Truth. hopefully that's the case. And kind of moving on with that, but keeping it similar, what are your expectations for this team? And who do you think will be the most important piece to this roster? Oh, well, it's just assuming, obviously. Um, if, if just assuming wasn't coming back this season, I'd be honest with you. My expectations would be much lower. Um, and I know that's a lot of pressure to put on a young man who literally played what one or two games all of last year right. uh, before they, before they shut it down for the entire season. Um, uh, but I think this is justice suing's team. Uh, I know that Isaac Likely is is the is the next kind of piece that we've talked about and being important here. Obviously, you got the the fan favorite in the the finger guns in Zed Key down low. I think he <laughs> starts this year as well. But I I I don't want to say as suing goes the team goes because I think there's more pieces than that. But he is definitely the most critical piece to this team. If if Justice suing is who I think he is and can be what he needs to be, which is just slightly under what EJ Liddell was offensively as far as uh, consistent output. Given the pieces that we have, this team can compete for a Big Ten championship, and that is my expectations. I am no longer going to give Coach Holtman excuses. There's no more, there's no more excuses. It's time to put up or shut up. Compete for the Big Ten. You did it last year. You competed. But how many times have we been right there and we got to the end of the season and we crapped the bed? Or we got to uh, January and we had a god-awful month in January when we were right there and then we had to climb back up the hill in February and try to catch momentum in March. It this You need to be consistent from day one. And you need to compete for a Big Ten title. That is my expectation. My other expectation for this team, if Justice Suing is who I think he is, is you got to get out of the first stinking weekend of the NCAA tournament. Now, the experts are saying that Ohio State has a roster to get to the NCAA tournament and maybe win a game. That is what the experts are saying. I think they are a little low on the possibility of there being some really good young talent on this team that might push us over the top. But the problem with this basketball team this season that I can see is if Zed Key gets in foul trouble, we are hurting down low. And there is some big guys in the Big Ten who are just salivating on posting up and just going at Zed Key and in this Buckeye defense. We have got to play an up-tempo, fast-break Get the game in the 80s type of offense every night. Because if we play the slow, drag it out, Big Ten style of play, we might be in trouble. So my expectations, Monk, are Big Ten championship. Let's let's compete for it. And let's get out of the first stinking weekend of the NCAA tournament. I'm tired of giving – I'm tired of giving – Holtman excuses. 
You've got a doggone great recruiting class. You picked up some really awesome uh, transfers. You got Justice suing back. Let's go. Let's roll. Let's see what you got. Well, I I think this is going to be the year where they at least make the Sweet 16. I'm going to call it right now. Calling <clears throat> your shot gonna, early. <laughs> yep, it, it's it's going to be rough at the beginning. Like I'm not expecting great things at the start. I'm expecting strong competitive play. But once this team starts to gel, I think they are going to be just something that a lot of teams are not going to be able to handle especially if we run that fast-paced type of offense or even go to small ball if Key does get in foul trouble. Because as in the NBA it's shown, you can win titles with the small, the small fast ball. And I think we've got all the pieces to do just that. Um, as far as the key piece to this roster, I'm going to go kind of out of the box here. The coaching staff. I think the coaching staff mm. is going to have to be the main thing you know, with their development, just keeping a young team focused and really just grinding on the day-to-day. So to me, and, and they have to make good in-game adjustments. And if they can do that and keep these kids going, because I, I know the development's going to be there, especially in the guard play, no doubt in my mind. So I, I think they're the most important part to this team. Okay, that's good. That's a I didn't think about that. So, <laughs> but yeah, I just, to me, that seems like the obvious because they've, they've got the talent there. It's just how do they use that talent? So, mm-hmm. and with your answer, you, you really tapped into Justice Suing. So if you want to move on from that, we can kind of skip over that one. Yeah, I, I, think, you, I think you really tapped into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, I know in the show notes you said how important his health. I think it's everything. If if he if Justice Suing can't or gets re-injured or hurt and can't go or he's just not right, we're in trouble. Right. Yeah, he would this, definitely be this the, season the motor. Could, this, this season could go south quick, and then then you could hear <laughs> a lot of chatter about calling for Holtman's you know head. Yeah, I don't think it's going to get to that point, but we'll see. <laughs> I, I've got a lot of faith in Holtman. I'm still hanging on. <laughs> so, all right, well, if you're ready to uh, get into our little starting five draft, I will let you make the first pick. Ooh, you're gonna, so is this a snake draft, or is this a – uh, I get the first pick every round. I'm assuming we're think, snaking this. I know. I think we'll go first pick every round because there, there's so many unknowns, you know, that I don't think first pick or second pick really has an advantage. I think it, you know, it's pretty even all the way through, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And since you're giving me the first pick, and since he is the he is everything I think to the success of this team. I'm going to go with Justice Suing as my first pick. Okay. Yeah, I'm probably going to regret this because I know you're going to take the guy I probably should take. Oh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take him. I'm going to take Zed Key. I'm not going to let you have him. <laughs> you, you made a mistake. Isaac Likely is going to be my point guard now. Ah, okay. 
Um, with my second pick, I am going to take. I'm going to take uh, Tanner Holden. Okay, since you're going to give me uh, Roddy Gale Jr., I'll take him too. Okay, hey, team's shaping up nicely. I'm going to take Baby Zion. Yeah, I knew you were going to go with Bryce Sinson Ball there. All <laughs> right, so I, I've got I've got Isaac at the one. I got Roddy Gale who can play the two or three. Justice Suing who can play the three or four. And uh, go ahead and give me Bruce Thornton as well. I'm going to give I'm going to get a nice speedy backcourt here. Ugh, Isaac Lightly, Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale Jr., Justice Suing, and it doesn't even matter who you take from here. I won. <laughs> yeah, you might have. You just might have. Um, let's see. That's yeah, pretty much off the board here. Uh, I'm going to go with some defense, and I'm going to take Eugene Brown. Yeah, okay. There you go. Oh, that means I need a five man. Um, go ahead. And I, I just, I don't know. I don't think we're going to get anything from Felix Okpara. Give me Kalen Etzler. He's six, eight. Mm. I know. I know he's the same height as Zed key. I know he plays forward. He's got a little bit more range. than Zed. Key. So I might play a five out motion offense and try to bring Zed key defensively outside to me. And create some lanes for Isaac Likely, Justice Suing, uh, Bruce Thornton, and Roddy Gale, and 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 and, and try to make you play long on me. Yeah, well, since you're gonna make me play long, I am gonna take Felix Akpara because I will run Sensible as my point guard. <laughs> there you go. All and right, you can man. do it, man. And look All right. Some length on there, especially with uh, Eugene Brown. So I got pretty long team <laughs> yeah that's the thing man when we this exercise shows you we just drafted 10 guys and the length on both of those teams is amazing oh yeah and where you can just the placement because you can do so much with both rosters <laughs> it's definitely not a one set type deal absolutely absolutely well monk this was a lot of fun i appreciate you doing that letting me on I, I don't oh, know about this next part, man. Yeah, I, I don't know about this. Out just yet. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, for our dude. final segment, the uh, good old buzzer beater. Going to just give you a few questions. You know, nothing major. And, you know, taken from your deal. How did your Buckeye fandom start? So, um, 1996, I was a 8th hmm, grader. And gosh, that sounds terrible to say. Eighth grade, um, 96. I'm getting old. (laughs) I'm getting gray in the old chinny chin chin. Let me tell you. Um, My cousin, Ryan Miller, was linebacker for Ohio State. I had been uh, given the opportunity to um, see kind of behind the scenes at Ohio State as a a youngster because of Ryan's family who – well, would uh, have us come to one or two games, home games every year. They'd get enough tickets to, for the whole family. And so my parents, my older brother, myself or my, myself and a friend would get to come and and we would get to hang out with the players after the game. It was so cool. And so, you know, as a youngster, knowing watching watching your cousin on television is, is pretty neat. And uh uh, saying, hey, yeah, I've met these guys. I've been to their apartments, you know, all those things. And then uh, in 96, uh, 
when they went to the Rose Bowl um, and won the Rose Bowl, my fandom was sealed. From that moment on, I I've only missed a handful of guy games since then. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, so that's that's kind of how my fandom started. Um, I loved when I was younger, Monk. I loved Ohio State basketball just as much as football. I, you know, my dad would watch basketball. And then when I was a little kid, you remember those hoops that you would put on a, a door on top of the door and oh, sl- yeah. shut the door? <laughs> I would, I would be playing on that with my brother or by myself sometimes while the game was going on and pretending right. in my head that I was a Buckeye, you know, uh, with Chris Gent and Skelton and Lawrence Funderburg and Jimmy Jackson and all them guys. Right. So, um, I was just a kiddo then. And those were some pretty good years too. When I was real little, um, they used to have a thing called midnight madness. Of course, now it's very different. It would be the first night of, of officially being able to practice. And so they would wait till midnight and the team would come out at midnight and have like their first official practice in front of fans. They'd open up the St. John's arena. And then after that, you could go down on the court and get an autograph. And so I have a, I have a little mini uh, scarlet and gray basketball with autographed by the players from like the early nineties, you know, when I was like 11 or 12 or something. So, you know, my, my fandom, even with basketball was sealed at very, at a very young age. uh, Thanks to my father. That's awesome. Yeah, here's something might be a little embarrassing to admit. I still have one of those hoops on my bedroom door. <laughs> <laughs> so the question is, is do you slam dunk one every now and then, Monk? <sighs> I, I used to. I don't think I got the hops or the legs for it anymore, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> there you go. And about the time when my 12-year-old started to beat me in horse and stuff, I kind of stepped away. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to get in too much embarrassment. I got you. All right. So, and then uh, next question is, what what inspired you to start the podcast? Yeah. So I I um I got listening into podcasts probably about seven or eight. Ago. Um, the and I feel it's okay to mention them, but Bucknuts Morning Five was one of my favorite podcasts to listen to just to get the insights of Ohio State recruiting and kind of some of the behind the scenes. And then I, I outside of that one, um, there was Buckeye Talk back when it was good. It's not too good anymore. I, I, I'm not afraid to admit that. I, I don't listen to it. when <laughs> It used to be just a weekly show, and it was really good. And back when they had the old original cast and cast of characters. And um, when they went to Ailey, it just – it ruined it for me from for them. But um, that was another podcast that I, I loved. And the one thing I, I kind of realized when I was listening to all these different Buckeye podcasts is that they were all media driven. None of them were fan driven. There was only one and it don't, no longer exists. And it was called like Buckeye Brothers or something. And I'll be honest, they were pretty vulgar <laughs> in their show. Right. But um, – there was no fan really outside of them, no fan driven Ohio State podcast. They were all owned by media outlets. And so I thought it would be fun just to start a podcast with some of my my buds who were also Buckeye fans and just kind of look at it from a fan's perspective on a weekly basis. And that's kind of the genesis of how the OHIO podcast started. Nice. And 
did you ever imagine that it would grow into what it has now as this sort of independent juggernaut? Mm, no, I didn't. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I didn't know what we would go to. I mean, I knew after we kind of hit our stride after the first year, uh, and Aaron and I, our chemistry really started to connect, uh, that we started to see our numbers increase. We saw them double from the first year. And of course now they've even tripled since then. And it's, you know, it was kind of interesting because after that I thought, yeah, well, what is the possible potential for this? But I kind of, I had to, I, it's kind of funny you asked this because I had this conversation with Chris last night on our way home from, um, uh, um, Marietta when we did a live show that, I don't know that I wanted to go beyond this, to be honest with you, because I, I think we're in the sweet spot. We're big enough right. to where uh, the university knows about us and sent me a nice little letter <laughs> about my logo. Still can't um, believe that. But at, it is what it is. I'm not going to complain. Uh, right. But at the same time, I don't want it to get to the point where it's no longer fun either. Right. And I know that it can become – kind of feel like a job if you're not careful. And so – I enjoy spending time thinking, talking about, and creating content that is derived around my joy and love for Ohio State athletics. And so I want to keep it there. Did I think it would grow to this? I had no clue. No. Well, I think it will grow beyond this. I, I do because uh, here's a little uh, hint to everybody. We haven't announced this, so I, let's go ahead and announce it tonight. On the first episode of season two of Shots from the Shot, come January, the plan is to make the OHIO podcast a, a not only audio but visual medium, and we will be going live on Sunday nights on both Facebook and YouTube and creating a fan-driven experience for the OHIO podcast, um, and that is our plan, and I do think – that that will open us up to an entirely new audience that we've not tapped into uh, beyond just the audio version. And I think that that's going to be a lot of fun to see how that community is created and grown and nurtured uh, beyond what we've done so far in the last four years with just the audio version of the show. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> I definitely a lot of know. Planning. A lot of planning right. is going into it, and we're and you know we're 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 testing some equipment out, and you know we're giving ourselves time to get through this season. But the plan is after the season's over, come January when we start the off season, it's going to go to a Sunday evening show uh, that'll be every week scheduled. And you know I I don't know how big it will get beyond that, but I know this much. The people who we meet when we do these live shows all talk about how great that'll be for them. It's amazing to me how many people know about YouTube but still can't figure out how to download a podcast on their cell phone. So right. it's it, it's funny. just it is what it is, man. Uh, I can tell you as a listener first, I've definitely been appreciative of what you guys have put out and all the content because I've learned a lot. And it's given me so many hours of listening pleasure, especially at work, because that's where I listen to it the most. And it's just right. made a world of difference for me. So, you know, I definitely am very appreciative to you guys 
for everything that you put into it. Thank you. Oh, no problem. And then lastly, and then we'll get out of here. What are just a couple of your favorite moments from this journey of your first download to over 26,000 downloads? Yeah, so I would say, number one, it was getting the opportunity to meet people much like yourself, Jason, um, and interacting with you. Uh, You, Nick Delanitis, are a couple of the people who uh, I would have never met if uh, this wouldn't have happened. Um, I know it was really cool to have one of our listeners show up at Chris's store in Marion uh and say aren't you chris from the ohio podcast (laughs) like that had to be so neat for him right like that's so cool to to not not be recognized but to just create these uh you know these these memories with people so like um i i loved the uh when we had the um fan appreciation tailgate at the spring game and you had Justin Bowman and his wife show up and say hi to us and meet us. Um, you had uh, Eric Osbeck, who's come to several of our um, uh, shows that we've done, and then the, the appreciation, fan appreciation uh, tailgate and, and tailgate with us. And then Mike Wargo, uh, the Rudy of Ohio State, who we met, and then he showed up at the tailgate, and he's just he's all about promoting the podcast and and being uh, an advocate of ours, you know, these relationships that I've been able to, to, to have are special to me and mean a lot that people would appreciate the time that Aaron, Chris, myself, and you, we spend creating this content and sharing our thoughts and feelings about the same passion that they all have, which is Ohio State. And that's been the most rewarding and, and most best memories to have um, the live shows, Jason, if you ever get a chance to come to one, you got to come. They are an absolute blast, man. They are so much fun. Um, the show in Pittsburgh, we've done two in Pittsburgh now. They are awesome. I mean, and it's great because when you go to Pittsburgh, man, like those Buckeye fans, uh, are you, 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 some of the people who aren't Ohio state fans around here think we're, we're, uh, uh, loud and obnoxious. You have to go to Pittsburgh because those fans have to be, they've got to defend themselves, man. When they go into a <laughs> hostile environment, wherever they're at. And they're like, we're taking over this bar or we're taking over this restaurant and watching the game here. Like, I mean, you know, you gotta be, uh, confident in your team, right? So no, th- that was great. You know, getting P- a chance to meet people like Buckeye Bob down in Medina, all the great folks there at the Elks Lodge. That was awesome. You know, we we've met several folks who were a part of uh, alumni clubs and associations in Cleveland and Delaware. Of course, that's what Pittsburgh is as well. Last year when we had the show in Parma up in Cleveland, we met band members who were in their 80s who were still coming to the bar and watching the game together and would bring their instruments, Monk. And when we'd (laughs) score a touchdown, they'd get up and play the fight song, man. And that night we played Indiana. We scored a lot of touchdowns, let me tell you. So these are moments that I never would have had the opportunity to experience as a fan 
if it wasn't for the podcast. And of course, at the end of the day, going to the shoe and watching a game and being a part of Buckeye Nation is still number one. But then, you know, being something beyond that, that has to do with this uh, like sub community that we've created with the OHIO podcast has been incredibly rewarding. And, uh, you know, I got to thank you, you know, you, Jason, for that as well, because without you uh, listening and then wanting to participate and be more than just a listener, then, you know, we wouldn't get where we're at today. So I appreciate that. Hey, no problem. Like I said, it's been my privilege and honor to, you know, go from a listener and kind of work my way up through and get to where we're at now. I love yeah, being I, a part of this. And I'm looking forward to you and myself and Chris and maybe someone else out there that we don't know yet growing this this basketball podcast as well. Because I know Buckeye Nation is, is football crazy. But there is a segment of Buckeye Nation that's just as crazy about the basketball team. And gosh darn it, I want to see the basketball team succeed. I don't want to be mediocre, man. I want the basketball team. That that 2006 season when we played a national championship in both basketball and football, despite the fact that we didn't win either one and Florida beat us in both, it was a, it was a magical year to be a Buckeye, man. I want, huh. I want to experience that again. Yeah, we. I think we will. Maybe not this year, but I, I think it's all coming. I hope you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, on that, we'll go ahead and get out of here and start focusing on the week and come back next week and do it all again. So I want to say thank you to Buckeye Boggs for joining me today. Thank you to all of our amazing listeners for their continued support. Keep calm and Buckeye on. Oh, come, let's sing, oh, highest praise and songs through armor while our hearts rebounding thrill. And joy which death alone can still. Summer's heat, oh, winter's cold. The seasons pass, the years will roll. Time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship. Oh, how